Well, the children uh, are heading back over now. We're glad to have you folks here on this Resurrection Sunday morning, celebrating with us. We have some of you folks here who won some baskets, and we're going to be handing them out too, and uh, and giving them to you. But I, while we are 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 here, you know, it's earlier in the morning. Some of you were here at seven, so you were here at River early, and so we have um, uh, some of you might still be a little bit sleepy. So I want you to imagine right now for just a minute that you're just waking up. And you're kind of a little groggy. And you know how sometimes you wake up. I don't know if you ever did this, but sometimes I had to travel for work. And sometimes I would wake up in a hotel. And I would think, where am I? Have you ever had that sense? You, you, you have it when you travel. Some, I've talked to other people who travel a lot. And they said, sometimes you just wake up in a hotel. You know, I don't know where I am. And there was one particular morning I woke up and I did not know where I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, because where I am tells me where I go for the, ne- the next day. I'm thinking, I don't even know what state I'm in. I don't know what hotel I'm in. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And it took me a little while to figure out where I was and, and exactly what I was supposed to do that day. Oh, I'm supposed to go over here. All right, this is my first stop. But, you know, I have that, that little bit of a, a feeling in the beginning. You don't know where you're at. I want you to picture that you were waking up in the morning and you don't know where you are, but you're understanding that it's very hot. I don't mean a little bit hot, folks. I mean it is really hot. I mean it is so hot you throw off the cover. I mean it is hot. And uh, you look around and you're not in your bedroom. In fact, you can't figure out where you are. I'm not sure where I am. What am I doing here? And it's it's hot. And as you look around the room, you notice that stuff's on fire. Why is stuff on? There's stuff on fire. This isn't good. And then you hear some screams. And you think, this is, this is bad. And you get this overwhelming sense that you don't want to be here. And beside the screams, you hear another noise. You're not quite sure what it is. It's another noise. You've never heard it before. It, it, it sounds a little bit like, well, like teeth. Banging them together. Why, are, why is that going on? And all of a sudden you realize you're not on the earth anymore. You're in hell. How did you figure that out? Because you know some things about hell, don't you? None of us have ever been to hell. But if we were in a very hot place, with a lot of screaming and gnashing of teeth going on. I don't know what gnashing of teeth sounds like. But I know it exists. And if I get into a place, I say, man, that must be gnashing of teeth. huh? I've heard that before. All of a sudden, you would figure that out. I want us to do something here today. We're going to look into the Word of God. And we're going to take a look at some signs of the life that you live. Because there are three different lives that we will live eventually in the Word of God. And we're going to go over some of those things. And I brought something extra over with me here today. Because when I woke up this morning, I woke up having won the final four. (laughs) So I had to bring this over. For all you folks that are not Villanova fans, too bad. (laughs) We once again blew away the competition. And it was was quite sweet. We enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I did not get to stay up for it. It was on, I think, 9 o'clock, and 
But when I woke up at two in the morning, I guess the first thing was I checked. <laughs> what was the score? All right. So that's, that's the state I woke, woke up in here the, this morning. Would you turn over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four? Look up on the screen, turn your Bibles, whatever you feel like doing. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, and who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. What I want you to see here is that he says, don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk. When you were a Gentile, and every single one of us born on this earth was born a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you were Jewish. It doesn't matter if you were German. I got a little bit of German heritage my, 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 uh, myself. You can tell that from my name. I have no idea how much, and I don't know what else is in there. But uh, I do know there's some of that. You all might know what your heritage is. Maybe you've broken it all down. You figured out where you came from and who and, and all that sort of stuff, whatever it might be. But no matter where it is that your heritage came from, we were born Gentiles. We were born apart from God. Every single one of us. Doesn't matter if you were born into a Christian home, went to church all the time. Doesn't matter if you were born into a, a home that didn't go to church. It didn't matter. We were born sinners. We were born into sin. But we had a certain walk that would come along with that. And uh, once we once we started to, to, to live, we found out about the knowledge of God. We got born again. And he, what he's saying is, you should no longer walk the same way you walked when you were a Gentile. You don't have to walk that way anymore. You can walk in the newness of life. And so that's what he says. When you got born again, your walk was supposed to have changed. And he gave us a little bit of a list in there of some things that should have changed. He said, in the futility of their mind. You see, when we were in the world... We had to figure everything out. I laugh at the people today that are trying to figure out the beginning of the universe. Still trying to figure it out. Have you ever heard of the Big Bang Theory? Yeah. All right. I, I don't know how God did it, but God did it somehow. I don't have to figure it out because I know that God made it somehow. And I'm totally confident in that. But they're out there trying to figure it out, you know, and, and they all get it down. To, it's just this bunch of matter and an explosion happened and whatever theory that they might have. And I'm thinking, where did the matter come from? I mean, it had to come from somewhere it had to come from. So they're all trying to figure it out, you know, and, and, and they're trying to figure it out with their mind. But they weren't here. In fact, we're not even close. I mean, it was billions of years ago the whole thing happened. And we're going to figure out what happened? Come on. Well, you're just a faith person. You can just believe. We're all faith people. Every single one of you sat down on these chairs today. Not one of you tested them. That means you had faith that would hold you up. How many of you people on your on your your trip over here drove over a bridge? Did anybody get out and inspect that bridge? Make sure it was uh it was going to hold you. Why'd you just drive over that bridge? Because you had faith. We all have faith in something. <laughs> you had faith that your car, driving on down the road, which is nothing but an engine that is a series of explosions happening right in front of you. And you believe that those explosions won't get out of hand and be a problem. In fact, you don't even give any thought to it. You just turn that car over and gas is now exploding all around you. Gasoline. Exploding. And you don't care about it. 
Because you have faith that that car will keep those explosions contained and you just keep on going where you're going to go. We all have faith in something. But he said your understanding was darkened. Apart from God, folks, we could not understand the things we need to understand. Just couldn't do it. Being alienated from the life of God. There was life of God and you were, we, we were all, there's a, a separation between us and that life. We couldn't get to it. We didn't even know it existed. We don't know anything about it. And he says it was because of the ignorance that was in us. We were ignorant of some things. And we were also, we had blindness in heart. And those things caused it. Who being past feeling had given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. He goes on in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God. To true righteousness and holiness. You got to put something on. Now how many of you, you know, we were thinking about what you're putting on today. I, I had, uh, I, I told you, you know, I get dressed and it's dark. And I don't want to mess with people. Turn on lights and stuff like that. So I lay out all the clothes the night before on Sunday. Have them all out there. I had this nice bright colored shirt. Nice uh, spring colors. Nice spring color tie. And I went into the room and I was putting it on. And uh, I don't know, I must not have worn this shirt in forever. Or, or maybe I never wore it. I don't know what happened. But uh, I buttoned that thing up. And it was too tight. There's no way I was going to be able to wear that shirt all day. It's too tight. Now, my neck doesn't vary. It has been the same size for the entirety of my life wearing ties, as far as I know. I have never bought a different size shirt than that one. So I took the thing off. I looked at it. I said, I must have the wrong size shirt. And I looked at it. It says, nope, sure enough, it was the same size shirt I'm supposed to be wearing. <sighs> so I had to fumble around in the dark some and go find a different suit and a different, uh, different shirt and a different tie. So I got inspired. I said, I'm going to do the best I can to get my J Wright on. <laughs> so I got my blue tie there and got some blue in the suit and, uh, uh, but, you know, Jay wears a white shirt a lot of times, and I don't have a white shirt, so <laughs> I couldn't do that part of it. But anyway, you know, you, you, but you, put, you intentionally put some things on. You go out there and you put them on. This is what you're supposed to do. Put on the new man. And when you got born again, there's a new man for us to be putting on. Don't, now, don't man as a male. Man as in a human. <laughs> you, you put on that new, that new person. That's what he says here. Put on that new man. Verse uh, 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God. In true righteousness and holiness. Therefore putting away lying. How many of y'all know that uh, when we were born into this world. We learned how to lie real fast. Didn't your parents deal with you with lying? When you're three years old. Four years old. Did you eat that? No. Yes. Did you throw it away? No. I ate it. You go in the trash and there it is. Did you, uh, did you sneak an extra cookie? No. But you did. Because you learned how to lie. That's part of the old man. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin. Now, how many know how to get angry? We didn't, we didn't have to get taught how to get angry, did we? We learned it real early on. If our bottle is not ready, if our food's not ready, we get mad. <laughs> get angry. Some babies got angrier than others. But we learned how to do that. But he says, get angry and do not sin. Or be angry and do not sin. There's a way to do it. That's the new man knows how to do that. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. 
Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now here's a good one, verse 29. Let no corrupt communi- let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. There's my King James coming out of me. <laughs> let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now how many can think back, maybe it was just this morning, when something other than this type of communication came out of your mouth? All right, nobody's, y'all, go back to that lying one. Sometimes words come out of our mouth that they're not the best of words to be, be using. Sometimes they're foul words. Sometimes they're words that are not edifying. Sometimes they're words that are not building people up. No corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. See, that's part of the new man. The old man does it the other way. If you wonder why you have problems with your kids, take a look at the words that you're using to them. If you wonder why you have problems with your spouse, take a look at the words that you're using towards them. If you're looking at why you have problems with your parents, take a look at the words that you're using towards them. This is what we need to do. This is what the Word says. This is the new person. The new person says, put this on. The old guy has the other stuff happening. It's real easy to fall into that. And do not, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Oh, there's a list. We're not getting into this any depth. We're just kind of running through it here for you. But bitterness. How many have ever been bitter before? Hey, last week, right? Uh, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Be put away from you with all malice. Get this stuff out of your life. That's part of the old stuff. That's part of the signs of the old, the old thinking. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. He's our example. So that's just a real quick run through through the list. But here, in our old life, he's given us some of the things in there that's part of the old life. Get rid of that old life. Now let's go, let's take a look at the new life. These are the signs that you should see when you have on the new life. And you know it here, you folks that are new for first time here, but you've been around here for a while, you all know the, you look at the name of the church and you see it and say, that's a funny name. How many saw that church for the first time, whether you're here for a while or you're new here, saw that name, Zoe, and thought, that's a funny name for a church. Why does anybody call that? And it's simple. You know, Zoe is the Greek New Testament word for eternal life. It's about the abundant life of God. That when we are born again, we are called to live a different type of life. And so we put it right into the church name. And the purpose of this church is to teach you about that life and how to live it to its fullest. It's to teach you how to have the signs in your life that you are born again. Now understand, we don't get born again because we have the signs. We don't get born again because we do good works. We got born again by faith. And because of that, we can produce good works. We can do good things because we have the new man on. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. You don't have to look anywhere. I think I put that right in your outline for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Brand new. Brand spanking new. That means you have no history. When you go to God and you say, God, I want to... I want to have a new life. I want to walk with you. He says, everything in the past is now erased. You don't have to go back through and try and confess it. Figure out what it is you did. It is erased. It's gone. Glory to God for that. I gave you seven main areas here of change that you should see. It's not just seven areas of change. I'm just pulling out seven areas of change. You can probably go to eight, nine, ten, twelve, twenty. 
Keep on going in the list. I'm just looking at seven. How many are glad I'm stopping at seven? You can be honest. You know, y'all got stuff to do. I understand. <laughs> Food to make, people to entertain. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's the first one. Righteousness. Isaiah 64, verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy legs. We all made as we're, we're all <laughs> we all made as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's no good. The righteousness that we have, folks, it is no good. Doesn't matter how good you become. Doesn't matter though I haven't killed anybody, I haven't uh, stolen anything, I haven't cussed. I haven't, doesn't matter how good we are, whatever righteousness we can produce, God says it's nothing, it's no good. It's it's his filthy rags. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, though, it says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That what happened was Jesus Christ came down here on the earth. He lived a life that was sinless. No sin at all in his life. And then he went and died on the cross for sins. For our sins. Because he didn't have any. And so the righteousness we have, it's not our own. It's his. So no matter what the enemy wants to do in the courtroom. If the enemy comes up and wants to accuse you of all kinds of things. We have the righteousness of God. There is no unrighteousness with him and that's what God looks upon so that's one thing your righteousness changes you no longer have your own righteousness you have his here's the second one love Romans 5 5 now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us hope does not disappoint you see the love of God has been poured out in your hearts when you got born again folks the love of God was poured down into your heart. You don't have just your own kind of love anymore. You've got the love of God. It's been poured into your heart. Oh, you can love by a love that is outside of yourself. And that's a, that's a thing that should change. If, if you go to God in prayer and you say, God, I'm trying so hard to love Him. Oh, God, I'm trying so hard to love Him. There's, there's nothing about that. You don't have to try anymore. You see, the love of God has been poured inside you. And the love of God can love Him. Through you. That's part of the, that's a sign of the new life. First Corinthians twelve thirty one. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And we all know First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You need the love of God in you, and God put it there. You didn't do anything for it. You got born again. Gave God the opportunity. So now you're born again. I can put this there, and He put the love of God down on the inside of us. That's the second sign. You got the love of God in you. Here's a third one. Faith. We went from believing what we feel or see to believing what is revealed. Because when we are, when we are people of the world, all I can do is believe what I see and believe what I feel. Well, I don't feel like that's right. So I won't believe it. I don't see, I didn't see that happening. So I'm not going to believe it. You believe what you see, believe what you can feel. Remember in the, uh, when Jesus was risen, he came to the people. His disciples, he showed himself, but Thomas wasn't among them. And so later on, Thomas was there in the room and Jesus appeared. And Jesus calls to Thomas and he says, Thomas, come here. Because Thomas had said, unless I see 
with my eyes and put my finger in the holes of his hand and his side, I'm not going to believe. And so Jesus stands before him and says, Thomas, here I am. Go ahead, put your finger there. And he bowed down and he says, my Lord and my God. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you see. Blessed are they that believe and have not seen. You see, when you get born again, you have the ability to believe what is revealed to you. And God can speak things to you and God can reveal things and God can help you in your life. And this is a sign of our new life. I believe. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Everybody likes that peace. Everybody likes that peace. I want, I'm, I want peace. People come in, you know, they go into counselors, they go into the folks and they, I, I just have no peace in my life. Everything's in turmoil. The kids are out of control. The neighbors are out of control. I don't know what's going on in my job. I'm such turmoil. But he says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Don't be in the world. Be in him. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now here's the thing. It doesn't happen automatically. If it happened automatically, Jesus wouldn't have talked to him this way. The way that we walk, walk in that peace is we learn the principles that are in the Word of God. In me, you may have peace. I gotta be in Him, and then I gotta learn the principles that He teaches us about having peace. One of the signs of people that are still in the world, one of the many signs, is people in the world worry. People in the world are anxious. And you say, well, wait a minute, I'm a Christian and I have those things. That's because you're putting on the old man. The old man is capable of worry, fear, and anxiety. But the new man is, is capable of trust. Every time the worry, fear, and anxiety tries to get a hold of you as a Christian is the old man trying to come back. And the peace of God will leave. You won't have it. But you can. Well, you just don't know what I face. No, I don't, but the Bible does. The Word of God does. And when the Word of God is one that says, don't be anxious about anything. In Philippians it tells us that. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We all want that peace, but we don't necessarily do the things that we, we want to do. And we can think about this. How many of you, when we were young and we were growing up and we got into the teenage years and we would say something like this to our parents. Mom, I want a new bike. Dad, I want a new bike. I, I, want, a, uh, I want a car. I want whatever it is. You want something that's big. And what did they usually say to us? Get a job. Get a job. Earn some money. You mean you won't just buy it for me? Get a job. You got time? Stop playing video games. Stop goofing around. Get a job. Get some money. Now, I want the end result. I want the car. I want the bike. I want whatever it is. But I don't necessarily want to do the things that are necessary to get there. That's how a lot of Christians are. God says, here's the end result. You can have the peace of God. But I don't want to do all that, you know, stay away from fear, worry, and anxiety stuff. I just want to have the peace of God. 
It doesn't come that way, folks. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. But I always, I like that last part, and be thankful. How many people do you know, hopefully you don't have to point your finger at yourself. How many people you know are not thankful? No matter what it is that they get, no matter what it is, the good things that happen to them, they have a reason to complain. They have a reason to say, oh, it's no good. I got a raise, but it's only a, only a dollar. Don't let that happen. Yeah, I got a new car, but you know, it's used. No matter what happens, be thankful and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. All right, let's go on to the next one. Joy. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with all joy. He wants not just be happiness. We're talking about joy. He wants you to be filled with joy. That's part of the signs of being born again. That you can be filled with joy. These things can be going on with you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. We already talked about peace. In believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 17 in chapter 14. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy. In the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. God wants joy to be a part of your life. If joy is not part of your life, you have put on the old man instead of the new. But you can go back and put it on the new man. The Word of God teaches you how to do it. That's why we keep learning. Romans chapter 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. Besides joy being in that verse, what else is in that verse? Hope. A lot of people, they go out there and they commit suicide. They think there's nothing else to live for because they ran out of, ran out of hope. I don't think there's anything in the future for me. But he says that hope may, or that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, if we're running low on hope, it's because we're letting the old man come back on. That's, we're letting the old man come back on. Don't let the old man come back on. Now, one of the things I think about when I think about the old man and the new man is that you all know I like to run. And um, when I started running in, in cross country, this is what we ran in. Now, I run, I run in shorts, so we didn't put anything else on there. But when it's cold in the wintertime, we would put on things called, how many of you ever heard of these? Hoodies. They still have them around today. And a hoodie is just cotton material. A little bit of felt stuff on the inside, and you'd put that on over top, and then maybe you have a shirt on underneath, and then you go go out and run in this, and you know you have a hood you can pull up on and such things. I was running in um, in a place in New York that was uh, up by the Tappan Zee Bridge above New York City, and we were up on a mountain, and we had a lot of wind, and so we would be running, and we would get sweaty, and you know what happens to cotton when you get sweaty? It gets wet, and then the wind would blow. And the wind would blow through because this stuff didn't fit real tight. It would blow through all the stuff and it would lift the shirt off your back, freeze the sweat, and then it land back down on your skin again. And this would happen throughout the entire run. 
you get overly hot and then overly cold. And then overly hot and overly cold. And uh, this, is, this is all we had. For, you know what we used for gloves? Cotton socks. Took some socks and put them on our, our hands. And we went out and we ran. And we ran in cotton socks and put them on our feet. And then we just find some kind of a beanie hat and we put it on the top. And uh, we thought this is, this is as good as it gets. And then they began to invent some new materials. And uh, they have, uh, uh, they came out with, how many have ever heard, we've talked about it before, Merlino, Merlino, uh, Merlino wool. The most incredible fabric. Everyone should own some. I have them for my socks. My, I could run out in the, in the snow and in the rain and my feet could get soaked and it could be 15 degrees outside. And I would not even know that they're wet. That's how good that material is. It is the most fantastic material you could put that on. But they have other materials too. And they're much closer fitting and they're lighter weight and they don't get soaked with sweat and they don't get lifted up by the wind. And now you go out there and you run in the cold and it's no big deal. You know what I never do? Never, never been tempted to do. Not even a single time. Go back to the old stuff. In fact, I've been so, so strong. We talked to other runners. And I said, I will never put cotton on my body again when I am running. Never. It will never, t- now, summer, spring, winter, no way. Cotton is the old man. <laughs> I have moved on to the new. I like the, the, the high tech materials that come out and the, 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 the way that they breathe and the way that they don't get soaked and the way that they just keep the warmth in, but not keeping you too. Oh, it's so wonderful to have all those things on and they block the wind. The wind comes and it's just like it just laughs at it. Ha ha, you can't get in here. And they can't. Don't ever put on the, the old man after you put on the new. That's what, that's what keeps me in mind. Would I ever go back to cotton sweatshirts to go running? The answer is never. Never. Don't put them back on. See, this new man has hope. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts... That I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is what he's, he's got for us. He wants to give us a future and a hope. Whenever you feel like your future is crowded out, whenever you feel like, oh, I don't have a future. Oh, there's nothing that I can live for. That's the old man coming in. That's the enemy coming in trying to put the old man on, get the new man off, get you to have signs of the old man instead of signs of the new. Here's one more. We're going to give you fruit. And that's in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and here's a whole long list, because the fruit of the Spirit is all these things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We've gone over this before, but that is not a list of all the fruits of the Spirit. There is one fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Because look at that verse again. The fruit of the Spirit is. It does not say the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love. You see, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these all come out of the walk of love. You put on the walk that God has for you in love, these things will come out. Have you ever thought you had to be more kind? You could be more long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, that could increase. Get more love. Now, that's our two lives. Our first life is the old man. Our second life is the new man. Here's our, here's our next one. 
In 1 John 3 and verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him and we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Him just as He is pure. You see, how we are now is not how we're going to be. It's going to be better. He hasn't given us all the details of what the next life is about. But what we do know is that life is going to be better. I don't know if I have to sleep. I don't know if I have to eat. It does appear that we can. Because there's going to be a feast up there. So obviously we can eat. I don't know if I have to eat. How many of you would like to just eat if you want to? And it seems like that you could probably eat and not get, not have extra. Let's say that. <laughs> not be extra you. Hmm. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if, if you don't have to be concerned with facing evil all the days? We don't know exactly what it's going to be up there, but we know, boy, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. That's your future life. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. In other words, if all we're living for is now, then it's pretty bad because we're keeping ourselves from all these things that the world's doing for fun because we think <laughs> we got something else going on on the other side. And he says, if we don't, we're the most miserable of all the bunch. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. There is a resurrection of the dead. How do you know that? Because I believe the Word of God. And the Word of God has proven itself to me over and over again. I believe the Word of God. I have not died and gone to heaven. I'm pretty sure if I die and go to heaven, I'm not going to want to come back. I'm just going to stay up there. I say, I love you all down there, but this is better up here. I'll see you soon. <laughs> I'll see you soon. First Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. It's going to be different up there. I don't understand all the things that happened. How many of you just this week had something happen you didn't understand? Hmm. You see, up in heaven, we won't have that problem. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Our future life is not marked by death. It's not marked by a devil. But it's marked with ruling and reigning with Jesus. A lot of other marks that are on that too. You see, each life has its own marks. The old man has its marks. The new man has its marks. And the future man has its marks. And you can tell, what life am I in? So take a look at your life now. Does your life now have more marks of the old man? Or does it have more marks of the new? Because God wants you to have the marks of the new. He wants you to live in this life as a new man. Not because it's going to keep you from all things that are fun. But because in Him we have peace. In Him we have joy. In Him we have righteousness that carries us on into the next life. In Him we have love that transcends the love we have on our own. In Him we have hope. In Him we have faith like we never had faith before. In Him we have so much more. Life can be a whole lot better. Would you all stand up with me?
Life with God is good. God never said that life with Him would be easy. He just said that life with Him would be good. And it'd be better. That there are marks, there are things that would go on with the life of God that are far better than what we have down here. Y'all bow your heads with me. If you're here today and you say, my life is marked more by the old man than the new. But I would like to have those marks of the new man. I would like to have those marks of one who has joy, who has peace, who has hope, faith, all those things. I'd like them to be part of my life. You can have that today. You see, to put on the new man, it's not difficult. God just says, accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Believe that He died on the cross for your sins and that life is ours. With every head bowed, if you're here today and you say, I would like to have that life in my, for myself, raise your hand. We can pray for you right where you're at. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I see one. Anyone else? Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you're here today, you say, I have turned my life over to God. But I, my, my life is marked more by the old. By the old man than the new. I want to know how to walk in this life. I want to know how to have this kind of life in my, for myself. Raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Okay. Father God, you see those that are, have risen their hands here today? I thank you for them. I thank you for the change that you can do in their life here today. That you will make that change. Whether they've given their life over to you, or whether they're doing that today for the first time. I thank you, Father. No matter what we have done in our life, it cannot separate us from your love. No matter how many times we've walked away, no matter what things we've said with our mouth, we cannot walk away from your love. Your love is always greater than whatever it is that we've done. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. If you're here today and you raised your hand to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you hadn't done that yet, you hadn't made that step, but you'd like to do that today, I want you to say this prayer. And just so you don't stand out, I'm going to ask the rest of our congregation to say this prayer as well. It's a simple prayer. It goes like this. Father God, I turn my life over to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. My righteousness is no good. Only His counts. I receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I ask you to come into my life. To change me. Change my life. And give me those things that are said to be part of the new life. I want them. I want Jesus. 
And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. That's all that needs to be done. And you're part of the family. Glory to God. Now before we go here today, if you raised your hand for any of those things and you would like us to pray for you specifically, we would be happy to do that. I'll ask you to come up here to the front. You don't have to. We can always pray with you afterwards. But if you'd like to have prayer this morning for any of those things that we raise hands for, I don't want to leave here without talking with somebody, without praying. You can come on up here to the front. We're going to do that before you go. Nikolai's going to play something on the piano. We have something we can end with. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right. One person's up. If anybody else wants to come up too. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory be to your name. Hallelujah. Yeah, what can we... He wants... Surgery he has on Thursday, the 5th, right? Yes. I'd had the 5th in my head. I wasn't sure what day of the week that was. He's going in for surgery on the 5th. We're just going to pray over him right now. Father God, we just thank you that this body will respond well to the surgery that is being done. I thank you, Father, that everything that needs to be done will be done, that the surgeons are given just exquisite wisdom and abilities in this And Father, we just speak right now that this body, in Jesus' name, the healing power of God is all over this body to heal up from that surgery even faster than they say it will. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Ms. Dietrich, would you... That comes upon her. That your the words come out of her mouth, Father, not from the old man; they're from the new. And with wisdom, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. For those who raise their hand to receive Jesus, or to get their life back into the place with the new man we'd love to to give you some things to help you out with that that walk if you're not a part of a church we certainly invite you to come on out here and be a part of the church we teach you every week how to lift the life of god and get in you and to walk in that that way but it's great to have you here today on this on this day for those of you that are here for the for the baskets uh they are uh brother victor you'll direct you can direct them into the place that they're going to be going to See Brother Victor right in the back over there? He's going to take you to where they are, um, where they're set up. I was thinking we might bring them on out here, but uh, I think they're still in the room there to uh, work, work them with the kids, so we don't want to 
uh, interfere with that. So, all right. Uh, before we go, uh, Miss Susan had a perfect question. She had shoulder pain. Is that from the fall that you had this week? Yeah. Ah, let's pray over, pray over her here before we, before we go. Which shoulder? There you go. Ah, all the way on down. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Healing into this body. Healing into this shoulder. Father, we just thank you for the power of God that flows from you into this shoulder. In Jesus' name. Healed. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Yeah. For those of you who don't know Jesus Christ is healer, I'll tell you what, get to know him as your healer. Get to know him as your healer. She's believing in Jesus Christ? She is a believer. So Aisha is a friend you have from work. Her husband, Kevin. Her husband. Oh, Aisha is the... Got it. Okay, now I'm on the... I thought Aisha was the friend at work. Got it. All right, so that's, that's his wife's name. And she knows Jesus? Gotcha. If, uh, if Jesus being the healer is new to anyone, uh, how many people have been through a communion service? Maybe not here at the church, maybe other places. Uh, if you've ever been through communion, there's two parts to it. There's the bread and the wine. Everybody remember that? All right. If you go back to the Bible and you look at it, Jesus uh, is the one who instituted this. And he first started off with the bread. It's the first part. We always start off with the bread, don't we? Because Jesus started out with the bread. But if you go back into the scripture, you'll find out that Jesus started with the bread before supper began. It states very clearly, before supper, he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. And then they had dinner. And then afterwards, he, he took the wine. It says, after supper, he took the wine. There's a reason why it's in the Word of God that it says before supper and after supper. Because it's two separate events. They're not together. All you need... For salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all you need. If all you need for the for salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ, why do we celebrate the bread? Why do it? You see, the bread represents his body, but if it's salvation was in the blood, then what's the body for? Well, it's simple. You go over to Isaiah, and Isaiah said that his body was broken. That upon him, all of our diseases, all of our sicknesses and diseases, they were put upon him on his body. They said that he was, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. <laughs> you see, the body of Jesus Christ is for healing. The blood of Jesus Christ is for forgiveness. And he, Jesus said, don't you forget this. Because he knew we always would. Now think back in the Bible. They had no trouble with the healing part. But they had a problem with the forgiving part. Here today... We have no trouble with the forgiving part, but we have a problem with the healing part. The enemy is always working on one side or the other. You see, Jesus Christ is your Savior, and He's your healer. He's both. Let's pray over this one here before we go. Father, we just thank You for the faith that's in Aisha. That this sickness and disease, Father God, it can't stand before, before them because... Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, redeemed us from sickness and disease, and brought us into health. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Sickness and disease, we speak to you right now. 
In the name of Jesus, you have to go. In the name of Jesus, you can't reside there. And just as Jesus spoke to sickness and disease, we speak to it now. In Jesus' name, amen. If healing, if Jesus being your healer is new, do this. Go back to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go back through them. I want you to look at every healing case that Jesus dealt with. Every single one. 100% of the healing cases that Jesus dealt with, he never prayed for a single one of them. He never asked God to heal a single one of them. Every single sickness and disease case that is in the Word of God, he spoke to the sickness and disease and told it to go. We follow Jesus' example because we think it's a good one. <laughs> follow his example. Don't follow what you see. Follow what's in the Word of God. There's a whole lot of things we do as churches, folks. It's not in the Word of God. If it's in the Word of God, we ought to do it. And stop trying to improve upon it. People are out there begging God to heal people. You don't need to beg God to heal people. He sent His Son. That's how much He's convinced that He wants you guys healed. He sent His Son to die, to be beaten, so that would happen. That's how good our God is. Don't ask Him for something He's already done. Have faith in what He's done. Follow His example. That's why we spend time learning the Word of God every week. Because we want to change our life. So glad to have you here. You folks that are here for the baskets, go back there and see see um, Brother Victor. It's good to have you here. And wherever it is that you're going, have a good time. And just know, tomorrow night, <laughs> I will be watching. It's the first game of the NCAAs I've been able to see will be tomorrow night's game. And I will be looking forward to that. Have a great rest of your day.